and welcome to the LB School Podcast. I'm Christy Michelle, the School and Library Coordinator, and I'm very happy to be speaking to Monica Hesse, author of Girl in the Blue Coat, The War Outside, and They Went Left. They Went Left is her newest novel for young adults, and it comes out on April 7th. It's received five-starred reviews from School Library Connection, BCCB, Publishers Weekly, Bookpage, and School Library Journal, which raised that it's a heartbreaking and heartwarming story of survival, loss, and renewal. Monica, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. So my first question for you is, why do you write YA? What do you think of as an ideal body of literature for young adults? Meaning, what do you think should be available to them? What do you think they should pick up in a library and why? And was literature essential for you when you were a young adult? And if so, what did it provide? Oh my gosh, there are so many questions in there that I could spend so long talking about. So in terms of what should be available for young adults, I'll start with that because I I feel like everything should be available for young adults. And frequently when I hear from from parents, for example, saying, I'm not sure that my teenager is ready to tackle this difficult topic, what they really mean is, I don't know if I'm ready for my teenager to tackle this difficult topic because the young people that I know are already thinking about really hard things. And they're already thinking about really big issues. The question isn't whether they're going to be thinking about that stuff. The question is whether there's going to be books and literature available to help them think about that stuff or to help them think through these really big questions of life. For me, as a, as a younger person, literature is where I learned how to think about these big issues. I remember reading books about illness, about death, about eating disorders, about relationships, about wars, about trauma. And and all of that was a really safe way for me to understand the world around me and to get empathy for people who I didn't know or might not ever meet. It really is the way to enter the world with someone else holding your hand on the other side of a book. I totally agree. And another thing is that it's not just that young adults are thinking about these things. There are young adults who are actually going through very difficult situations in their lives, and it's only through literature that they can see that maybe they're not the only one going through this, and maybe there are people that they can reach out to and ask for help. Yeah, I think the feeling that you the feeling that you are not alone, that there are other people who have been through what you're experiencing, and that there are, are writers who care enough to put your story on a page is is really meaningful. I, I know that I have friends who have talked about how important it was to read gay characters before they came out as gay themselves. I know how important it was for people I know who have experienced assault or, or abuse to have read about other people living through that. So so I think that they're just they're connections to the to the world in a really important way. Imagine a bookshelf. On it are three titles Grown the Blue Coat, The War Outside, and They Went Left. What are three other titles you would place next to those books and why? Okay. I'm gonna admit for the audience that you sent me this question in advance. And I've been thinking about it because I wanted to have such a good answer. But I feel like there are so many different ways that I could answer this. I could answer this like 
in order to complete your knowledge of World War II, what books could you read? In which case, I would say, well, I hope you've read the books Ethan Number the Stars, and if not, you should definitely read those. But my books are also mysteries that are that are complicated and twisty, and so I could say, no, you should also have some books by Tana French, maybe, or Val McDermott, or people who specialize in in, in really taking you places that you didn't expect to go. But the more I thought about it, the more I think that my books can be really emotionally wrenching and really kind of tiring because they're fast-paced and things twist and turn. And so I decided that the three books you should have sitting next to mine on the shelf would be Jenny Han's To All the Boys I've Loved Before trilogy because you're going to need a break and a different kind of teenage experience as you read my books too. All right. I never would have thought of that, but that's a really good contrast. Yeah. Like you could read Girl in the Blue Coat and then take a break and read the first one of the, of the Jenny Han tr- trilogy and then read The War Outside and read the second one and then they went left and read the third one. Okay. I see it. I see it. Yeah. Um, or, you know, like pick, pick your own, pick your own personal favorite brand of YA. Like I really love like Brandy Colbert's work, which is set in the real world. I, I think that having a good diet of books is all about having a mix of a mix of light and dark, a mix of a mix of soft and hard, a mix of light and heavy. So I think that when I whenever I'm reading, if I've been reading a lot of historical fiction, part of me wants to just burrow in and read only historical fiction forever because I love it. But that's also when I know, like, it's time to take a break and read some sci-fi or, like, dip into a good fantasy novel. Yeah. I know when I'm reading a lot of nonfiction, I always want to take a break and, and read and read some, like, really good fiction. And not, not even really good fiction, like, really good romantic, like, fiction, because that's my favorite, like, lay back and just read that and not have to think too much about anything. Yeah. <laughs> is that what you, is that what you, um, what your, like, vacation brain does? Like yes. is, is romantic fiction. Yes. For me, it's like um, it's like detective novels or like courtroom novels. That's that's if I'm if I'm going to the beach and packing a suitcase full of stuff. That's what I want. I want lots of like whodunits and lots of like lots of detectives with dark pasts searching for the criminal. That's that's my jam. How would you recommend They Went Left to a friend? And how would you recommend it to a teen who's looking for their next great read at the library? You know, I think that I'd recommend it in the same way to to both. Because I have a lot of adults say, I hope it's okay that I read your books because I know that they're for teenagers. I write for adults, too. um, And and I actually don't write any differently for, for teens versus adults. If there's a difference at all, I think it's that teenagers have their hearts a little closer to the surface, I think. They're a little more heart-based than, um, than head-based. But to both a good friend and to a teen reader, I would say, are you looking to be transported to a place you've never been, learn about a time you're not familiar with, and on the way, read a story about different kinds of love and uncover a twisty mystery? Because I think it's kind of all of those things. I hope it's all of those things. It definitely is. The way I would recommend it is, if you're looking to think of 
geographically post-war Europe in a different way, I would recommend this book because it definitely made me think of it differently. And if you're looking for a book with a really strong voice, Sophia has such a strong, clear voice that just jumps off the page. So if that's what you're looking for, definitely pick up They Went Left. Oh, I love that. Sophia, I think, is probably my favorite main character to have ever written. And and I hope that if you like heroines who are strong but complicated and who are who are real people doing the best they can in impossible circumstances, I think that you'll like I think that you'll like Zofia because she's not she's not sort of a classic like kick butt heroine, but she's she's so strong in ways that we don't often appreciate or even recognize strength. Yeah, I was surprised. I guess I I brought my own biases to the book before I started reading it, but I was so surprised by her voice because I guess I was expecting her to be more in her head. And she definitely is, but she reaches out to people. She speaks to people. She asks asks questions. She like demands that people answer her. And I wasn't expecting that from her. I was expecting her to be more closed off, I guess, because of the situation that she was just coming out of. You know, I think one of the reasons it was important to me to do that, though, is that when we read literature set in World War II or, or set in the Holocaust, often we are reading stories about non-Jews who, who saved Jewish families or who hit Jewish children or who, who became the heroes for Jewish characters. Mm-hmm. But there are so many stories of Jewish characters who were heroes themselves. Who were, um, who were leading rebellions themselves or who were fighting for their own survival. And, and I, I wanted to show Zofia's coming out of this story where something unspeakably horrible has happened to her, but she is still a person with agency and she, she is still piecing together back her own life and not relying on someone else to do it for her. I think that there's there's a lot of bravery there in those stories that we don't hear about so often. What do you think historical fiction achieves or offers that neither history or nonfiction nor contemporary fiction do? Or rather, why historical fiction? You know, I I always want books that that take me deep into another world. And and not not like I need books that take me into like a, a, a pretend land that doesn't exist, but you know that, that transport that transport me to a place I haven't been where I can learn something. And for me, historical fiction is like the perfect blend of escapism and reality because it's it's something that actually happened. It's it's our own world, but. It's our own world 50 or 60 or 100 years removed. And so in a, in a way, it feels like traveling to, it feels like traveling through space and time. I also feel like from, from, a, from a sort of loftier goal, in a way, historical fiction is a safe way to talk about the events that are happening today. History continues to repeat itself. Sometimes the past doesn't even feel like the past. And we see 
the same big issues be revisited again and again? Wh- what does it mean to love? What does it mean to hate? Who do we who do we make into our enemy? Who do we make into our friends? Like these, these are issues that we've been struggling with since the beginning of time. And when we can talk about them in historical fiction, it's a way to help us clarify how we're thinking about the present. I love that. This question of why historical fiction is something I've been thinking about myself, because this is, I don't know if I'm going to be able to articulate this properly, but whenever, over the course of my reading history, when I read historical fiction, I always felt like I was reading fiction, historical fiction that didn't involve me, like it was history and there were fictional characters in it, but I wasn't, I was like removed from it, you know? Yeah. So like when I got to college and I started reading people like Toni Morrison more seriously, and seeing kind of like what she did with historical fiction, just the idea of going back to a time when things were incredibly dark and incredibly difficult, and those times have ramifications on the present. And just how how do you write about that? How do you make that fictional? It's almost like, are you allowed to make fiction out of that, you know? I feel like what you mentioned about Toni Morrison's work speaking to you it reminds me of a question someone asked me a few days ago, which is basically, when do you think a historic time period is tapped out? Like, when do we need no more stories about the American West? Because we've, we've had too much historical fiction set there already. And, and I feel like whenever, when we tell historical fiction, we're talking about the period of time but we're also talking about the time period in which that fiction was written. So, so for example, like gay people existed in the, in the American West, but for a long time we didn't have stories that told their, that told history from their perspective. Or, you know, what were, what was the story of a person of color in America in 1782? What's the story of a young woman? What's the story of you know, an Asian American immigrant. So I feel like we we can always revisit those periods again because there are kind of infinite perspectives that we can go back and revisit. And often those perspectives are of people who, who didn't have a voice the first time around that we wrote the history. Yeah, and I feel like historical fiction kind of gives you kind of ownership over the past that, like, not everyone always has. I don't know. I've just been thinking about it a lot. So next question, is writing about World War II on the European continent, as you do in They Went Left, very different from writing about it in the U.S., as you do in The War Outside? Do you have to approach it or think about it differently when you're writing? I think that one of the reasons that that I keep returning to World War II is because there's not a corner of the globe that wasn't touched by the war in some way. Um, but it, but it touched each part of the world differently. So your experiences of World War II in, in Poland were going to look very different from your experiences in London, which would have looked very different from your experiences in North Africa or Japan or the United States. And so part of the reason that I've written these three novels together in such close succession is because... To, to me, it just seems like 
and meanwhile, like this was happening in Holland, and meanwhile, this was happening in Texas, and meanwhile, this was happening in Poland. So I feel like writing about World War II is like that, that analogy of the blind men touching the elephant. Have you heard that analogy before? Yeah, yeah, I see it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's like if one person is is touching the tusk and one person is touching the tail and one person is touching the the, the trunk, you you can only get a sense of of part of part of the elephant. But World War Two was such a massive, world changing, history changing, life changing event that in order to even start to wrap our brains around it, we have to hear the stories from from all over the world. They Went Left covers a period of post-World War II history that isn't as widely covered as the war itself, the months immediately after the liberation of the camps. Why did you choose to write about a young girl navigating this period of history? So I love, uh, I do a lot of research for all of my books. And I sort of realized in the course of research that that a lot of the books ended with the liberation of a of a concentration camp, or they ended with D-Day, or they ended with, you know, they, they ended in 1945. And the other thing I noticed is that a lot of the oral histories that I would listen to of real survivors recounting what happened to them during the war is that the end of the war in many times was actually the beginning of their, of the most difficult parts of their story, or at least it was only midway through their story. Because the war was about their life falling apart. And then after the war is about how they put their lives back together. And, and to, to me, I just became really compelled by the, the idea of following this young woman as she had to put her life back together. The most important person in her life, her younger brother Abek, had been separated from her during the war and what would it look like for him, for her to go on this journey to, to be reunited with him again? When Zofia first leaves the hospital, she heads straight to her home from before in Sosnovets. When she doesn't find her brother there, she leaves, takes a train from Poland to Germany. What struck me about her traveling is the dissolution of borders. And it reminded me of her memories of when Jews were first forced into the ghettos. She says... I would tell her how my family had been moved from our apartment to another across town for no other reason than imaginary boundaries had been drawn on a map and Jews could now live only inside them. That seems so applicable to current day anxieties about borders and refugees and immigrants, especially as Zofia herself is a refugee. Could you talk a little bit about the ways in which the past we see Zofia navigating echoes our present? I think that history is, is always repeating itself. It is always infiltrating our present. When I wrote The War Outside, my second novel, which is set in an internment camp in Texas near the Mexican border, we were having discussions about internment camps in Texas near the Mexican border, only at that time we were, we were holding migrant children from South and Central America rather than holding Japanese-American internees. So... When I think of Zofia looking for a homeland in 1945 and 1946, 
I'm thinking of all of the people who are looking for homelands now, who are looking for countries to to let them in, who are who are trying to explain that they need a new home because their home has been has been ripped apart. Even even on issues aside from from discussing refugees, even now we're in the middle of of experiencing a global pandemic and all worrying about coronavirus and and we're seeing it cross we're seeing it cross borders and realizing that these artificial boundaries that humans have set up don't matter to viruses and they don't matter to hunger and they don't matter to to war the 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 boundaries that separate us are often things that we create and and I think that my my book is sort of about um, moving beyond those boundaries or, or, or seeking seeking out home and family outside of what, what might be drawn on a map. Yeah, when I read that line, it just, I don't know, it moved something inside me. It made me think about the power we give to our ideas that we can make these things called maps and have lines on them and have these lines be like real to us, even though they're not real. Yeah. I mean, it's so funny. My, um, my, my family originally came to the United States from a little town that was sort of on the, on the border between Germany and Denmark. And it's really interesting because for a long time, my mother would say that we were Danish. And then we looked up, or I looked up the town and realized that, no, actually, that town at the time um, that my family would have come over would have would have been German, and it's not like the town changed. The town was where it always was, but depending on the year that we were talking about, it was either in Denmark or Germany. And it, it's just it's sort of funny that that something like that could impact your sense of identity. When again, like the houses never moved, the people never moved. It was our our concept of our concept that moved. Before the war, Zofia's family owned a factory. After the war, Zofia uses her sewing skills to mend a wedding dress for Bryna. Was it important for you, for Zofia to have a skill, to have something she can do? I think in, in a lot of ways, it started off as just being realistic. Zofia uh, at the time the war began, would have been 15, and in the 19, the early 1940s in, in Poland, um, that would have been close to adulthood. She already would have been expected to know how to do things. She would have been expected to know how to cook, how to clean, and because her family owned a sewing factory, she would have been expected to know how to sew. But it was also important for me that sewing be something that that tied Zofia to her past, something that she found calming, something that she could return to, to to reclaim herself. And in a lot of ways, picking up that craft and that art form again is is really healing for her because it connects her in this way that's both really physical and really metaphorical to to her family and the life that she had before. I was struck by how gendered Zofia's story is the sexual favors she and the other girls and women during the war are forced to perform in order to survive. Could you speak a little more about that? Yeah. This also goes back to the question you and I were talking about earlier, about different people's stories being told or highlighted at different points in history. 
And I think that for a long time, stories about war have been very masculine stories. They're stories about soldiers going off to war or about men experiencing PTSD when they come home. But war is a very gendered experience. The experiences of men in war are different than the experiences of women. And I think historically, when we've talked about the experiences of women in war, we've talked about women at home burning the candle, waiting for their husbands to return. But for, for people like Zofia or, or other women living in war-torn countries, um, war often means sexual assault or sexual violence or, or being forced to use your body for your own survival. It's not the same kind of trauma as, as being drafted into the armed services, but it's, it's a trauma. It's, it's a trauma nonetheless, and I wanted to make that, I wanted to make that real. Another thing that struck me is how after the war, Zofia is thrust into this world where she's confronted with her oppressors. Like, I, I, I remember the scene where they're in, was it a food hall? I think it's, it's or the cafeteria, and I'm not going to pronounce it properly, but it's, I think it's Ferenwald. Is that how you pronounce it? But I remember when they Ferenwald, were, yes. Ferenwald. But I remember when they were um, sitting there together, and right before then, I think... Um, you're talking about when Sophia learns that there are there are non-Jewish yes. uh, Germans in the in in the camp as well, that including and, including like a Nazi sympathizer. Yes, that and also when she goes back to her apartment, this is at the very beginning of the book, and her neighbor puts a swastika in her like flower pot, and just to be returning from yeah. what she's returning from, and she already feels like she's crazy. And the signs of what she's been through are imprinted on her body. Like, I think she's missing two toes, right? And, like, yeah. it's in her head and her entire life, her entire family, just to have that happen to her. And then she comes back and she's still not safe. She's still surrounded by people who want to eradicate her existence. Just reading that was so, it was a lot to, 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 to take in. How did you approach writing that? I think this goes back to why it was so important to me to tell a story that happened just after the war rather than in the middle of it. On a much, much smaller scale, I think about American politics right now and how divided we are as a country, and we are coming up on this election. And and whatever the outcome is of the 2020 presidential election, we will still have to live with each other in 2021 and 2022 and for the rest of our lives. And, and when the World War II ended in 1945, it's not like that could erase the atrocities that neighbors had committed against, against one another. You had cases where Jewish families were having to move back into the houses next door to the people who had reported them to the Nazis to begin with. And, and to me, that was unfathomable, is how people can heal and how a country can repair itself when it has committed such atrocities against each other. And, and I, I wanted to show that the war ending didn't create an automatic happy ending. It, it created a mess 
and chaos and, and just tremendous amounts of work that, that, that people were going to have to go through in order to, to heal from what had happened. Like, what do you do with a neighbor who, who doesn't think you should live, you know? That, like, that was, that was on it. When writing the book, that was the part in the book where even though Zofia doesn't realize for another 200 pages or whatever that she can't go home again, mm-hmm. I think that was the moment where I realized, like, she's not going to be able to go home again. Mm-hmm. Because how, how, how could you live next door to this person for the rest of your life? I mean, how could you meet in the hallway and have these mundane conversations about, oh, is your mail late today? Or did you see that, like, the, the trash service isn't working? Like, h- how could you have these banal conversations after what had happened? And yet, like, millions of people, that's that's what they did. They, they had to go back to living this life among the same people who had, you know, who had lobbied for their extermination before the war. What do you hope readers take away from They Went Left? You know, I, even though we've talked about these, these really big moral and ethical issues, I really never set out to write stories that are moral treatises. I hope that, first of all, readers read when they went left as a page turner that they want to get through in one night because they are caught up in the story and they care about the characters and they are fascinated by this, this time in history and they're open to, to learning about it. And they want to get to the end and they, they want to know what happens. But if it sticks with you, and if you find yourself thinking about it, I hope that you find yourself thinking about something that Bryna says when she explains to Zofia why she is marrying a man that she's only known for a couple of weeks. And she says it's because her first fiancé was killed during the war, so now she's going to choose to love this new man in front of her. And I think that that is what the book is about. The book is about how terrible things can happen to you that you don't have any control over. And sometimes the only choice we have is who we love and how we love them. And the book is about choosing to love. It's about building family and friends and community in a place you never expected and learning to become whole, even when you thought you were completely broken. Thank you so much for this, Monica. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for giving such great answers to these questions. I know some of them were, were heavy questions. Thank you for having me anytime. Listeners, Girl in the Blue Coat and The War Outside are in paperback right now, and They Went Left hits shelves on April 7th. You can find Monica on Twitter at at Monica Hesse, and you can always find us there at at LB School. Thank you so much for tuning in, and until next time.